Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. If you know that there's a way forward, it's much easier to start taking steps than if you feel like you're just going into the great unknown and you don't know what you're going to find. But if you know that the end is there, is sure, and you can get there, it's just so much more accessible. And today we'll be talking about a book that describes exactly how a newly blinded person can get over that transition. Guiding Emily was written by Barbara Hinsky and describes the journey of this newly blinded woman with her first guide dog. Emily's story is continued in the newly released sequel, The Unexpected Path, and we will talk with the author, Barbara Hinsky, about the new book, its inspiration, and what she learned when researching and writing both books. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Barbara Hinsky. I guess my tip of the week would be, don't be afraid to make a start on something that you really want to accomplish in your life. Make a start and as you're going along, doors will open, things will be presented to you that you couldn't see when you started. You just have to get moving for things to present themselves to you and just keep going. You don't get anywhere without taking the first step. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Barbara was referring to Emily having to learn all of her blindness skills fairly quickly so that she could resume her daily life and her career and everything else. But what she said applies to everything. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Barbara. Barbara, we've had you on Eyes on Success before talking about your book, Guiding Emily. And today we'll be talking to you about your new book. But for listeners who might have missed that show, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Hi, Nancy and Peter. It is so wonderful to be back with you on Eyes on Success. I'm an attorney who's turned novelist about 10 years ago. I write women's fiction and mystery thriller suspense, together with some sweet Christmas stories. And by far my favorite books to have written, the first one was Guiding Emily, and now uh, the sequel, The Unexpected Path. And you came into writing your first book about Emily and her guide dog in an unusual way. Can you give us a quick synopsis of how that came about? Yeah, I was seated at a black tie um, fundraiser for a local library next to the development director for the Foundation for Blind Children. I've lived down the street from the foundation for 30 years and had never been inside. He invited my husband and I for a tour which we took the next week. And I was so moved by the work that they did. I thought I said to Steve, what do you need? What can I do for you? Well, they're a nonprofit. They need money. And he wanted to raise the awareness of the isolation that visually impaired people can feel within the sighted community. And I said, well, I'm a novelist. I can help on both those fronts. My book can talk about those issues 
and I can donate proceeds um, to the Foundation for Blind Children, which I've done. And hence, Guiding Emily was born. Absolutely. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is The Unexpected Path, Barbara Hinsky's sequel to Guiding Emily. Well, today we wanted to talk to you primarily about your new book, but maybe you can give us a quick run through of Guiding Emily and how that merges into your next book. Sure. Guiding Emily is the tale of a young woman named Emily Main who loses her eyesight in a tragic accident on her honeymoon. And it's got a parallel track with Garth, a black lab who is in training to become a guide dog. And it's their journey coming together. And it's a very sweet book. Some of it is actually told from the viewpoint of the dog, which is really kind of neat. Thank you. Writing Garth has been the most fun. And I think he's probably my character that I've written that people love the most. Oh, I definitely thought Garth was the best character in both books. Yeah. Yeah. He deserves his own little fan club. And I probably should do a Facebook page for him and a TikTok account and all of that. (laughs) So what prompted you to write the sequel? Well, like most authors, when you write a book, you wait and see what the reaction is to it to see if anybody wants to read more. And I was so overwhelmingly gratified by the reactions. It's now got over 500 reviews on Amazon, I think 4.3 star average. So from a commercial standpoint, it was successful enough to have a sequel. But more importantly... I received emails from literally dozens of particularly newly visually impaired people around the world telling me just how accurately the journey of someone who is newly blind is, the mental and emotional journey is, and how hopeful the book was, how it gave them hope. Gosh, I can think of nothing I would rather have someone say about one of my books you know, I left the book where I could continue the story if people were interested. And I was so encouraged and it was so much fun to write the second book. So tell us the title of this new book and give us an idea of where it takes Emily and Garth. Yeah. So the second book is called The Unexpected Path. And it's got a new character in it, a woman by the name of Stephanie and her guide dog, Biscuit. They're friends of Emily's, and they got written in because I donated naming rights for a character in one of my books at this black tie auction to benefit the local library. And a woman who is visually impaired and has a guide dog named Biscuit bid on that because she wanted Biscuit in the Guiding Emily sequel. Oh, terrific. So that's why we've got Stephanie and Biscuit. The woman's actual name isn't Stephanie. She didn't want her real name used. But I think anybody who knows her is going to know it's her. So Emily is now learning to live on her own and is back at work. She's a programmer at a big technology giant, think Google or, you know, Apple, one of those. 
And she's finding that she is very competent and very capable to do her work, but the team she leads is trying to protect her and keep work from her and thinking, oh, well, she can possibly handle all of this. So there's that frustrating disconnect. Well, for people who haven't had any of these experiences, for women, if you've had a baby and you come back after maternity leave, and then pretty soon nobody wants to assign you the big projects because, oh, well, you, you know, she probably has to leave on time every day. And well, and she couldn't possibly do this, that or the other. Um, I drew on those of my own experiences when writing Emily's feelings. So I've got that. And then the other plot line is her husband, who she separates from in the first book, comes back in the picture. And, and there's some resolution on that. I wrote that plot line because I'm in screen talks with a number of outlets and they've all said they would like to see a little different side of Connor and who's her husband. That's why I wrote that in. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's really interesting to me to hear you describing the rationale behind all of these plot lines. My impression as a reader and of course, you wrote the books, but my impression as a reader was that the first book really focused on Emily getting used to being blind and developing her blindness skills and developing her independence. And the second book doesn't take place that much after the first book, but boy, she's really glommed on to all this access technology and she's comfortable with the dog and she's comfortable with herself and she's really independent. And her biggest challenge is everybody else's attitude and not just at work. You know, there's a couple people who believe in her, but there's a whole lot of people she needs to convince. Yes, absolutely. And I worry a little bit as as the writer, I don't think that level of competence is necessarily that easily acquired. But I don't know if I'm going to get a chance for a third book. And I really wanted to hit that mark of showcasing the fact to the sighted community that the visually impaired are every bit as capable as everyone else. That is such a high priority for me in this book is to raise awareness. So I probably compressed the time frame that it takes to get to that level in the book. And I, I hope no one who's experiencing that feels discouraged by that. But the, the overarching theme is the hopefulness and the competency and showing other people, particularly because in, in my research, I've learned that the unemployment rate among visually impaired people is horrifically high. And that's terrible because having a good job is part of leading a satisfying life, I think. Yeah, it's amazing. The unemployment rate for visually impaired folks is on the order of 70% or so if you read some statistics. That's jaw-dropping. I think it, when people hear that who are, when you, I know my jaw dropped the first time and I thought, oh, I got I to try and do something about this. I don't know what I can do, but I can certainly write a book that showcases that. The cover of Guiding Emily was beautiful. It was a close-up of Garth's head framed in Emily's hands. What's the cover of The Unexpected Path? Thank you. Yeah, I loved Guarding Emily's cover. And I thought, oh, my God, what are we going to do to top that? So I wanted to keep that close up, that intimate view into the dog and the dog's eyes. So The Unexpected Path has Garth a little bit in the background. 
and the close-up of Biscuit's face, and Biscuit is a yellow lab. So you've got those big, sweet dog eyes looking at you and drawing you in. That's what I'm hoping. When we were setting up this interview, one of the thoughts we noodled back and forth was that you wanted to tell us what you've learned in the process of putting these books together. And the first thing that jumps out at me is probably your awareness of all the technologies and methods that blind people develop to adjust to having a normal life and do the things that sighted people would do. The beginning of the book was almost a catalog of assistive aids, and you mentioned the pen pal, the Alexa skills, etc. I was, I was really impressed. Thank you. I found that research so interesting and so encouraging. Um, you know, the phone apps to help people navigate and apps that you can use to scan currency. So, you know, whether you're handing somebody a 10 or a five and um, apps that let you connect with, with a volunteer who's going to let you use your camera on your phone to scan the grocery store shelf so they can tell you, okay, what you want is, you know, over here versus over here. I hadn't even thought about grocery shopping when you can't see what's on the shelves and how much time that must take. Yeah, there's like a billion little challenges, but somehow people find ways of overcoming these challenges and doing the tasks that they need to perform. And it was kind of interesting to see you showcase much of that in your book. So it can give people hope that even though I have some vision problems, I can actually lead a normal life. Well, that's certainly the takeaway. And I also really want employers to, or potential employers to say, People who are visually impaired are superb problem solvers because they do it all day long, every day. And it's like any other muscle that you exercise, it gets better with use, especially now through, you know, the last couple of years for employers doing things in new and different ways, reaching the goal in a way that you couldn't do, you know, before lockdown, for instance, is essential. And I think that sort of problem solving is a certainly a core strength of people who are visually impaired. If I was in a position to be employing people today, I would look for that. That's interesting that you say that. We've interviewed lots of people in particular about what kind of careers and jobs they have and How was it interviewing for the job? And so many of these visually impaired individuals have said, well, you know, one of my skills, and I think it's common to all of us, is that I'm really good at problem solving, you know, and you just have to convince the hiring manager that that's true. Yes. And I, you know, that's one of those things. How do you convince someone else? I guess you go in with examples, but... I'm hoping that my books will kind of change the base level understanding and mindset of people in the sighted community so that the bar to convince somebody that, hey, I'm really good at that, won't be quite as high. Yeah, I think for sighted people, it's hard to envision how a blind person might perform certain tasks. And even for a newly blinded person, if they're used to relying on their sight for their entire life, it's hard for them themselves to think that they can perform everyday tasks 
on their own. And your book is really a nice showcase of how that can be done with what tools, what reactions you're likely to get from other people and how to work within that whole context. You know, and I think there is a large appetite to learn about this within the sighted community of those 500 plus reviews I've mentioned. I bet you at least 25%, maybe more, mention how much they've enjoyed learning about how visually impaired people do things in their lives. That's just a constant thing that people keep saying that. They say that a lot and they say, we love Garth. Those are the two things that people (laughs) mention most. Well, and then Garth develops a relationship with Biscuit. It's really just so sweet. Yes, it is. I thought that was kind of fun. And um, Garth gets to do a little matchmaking. It turns out he's got a little bit of a superpower in terms (laughs) of matchmaking. And I like that. I, you know, in writing that, I, because I don't want my, I mean, I've got a dog that thinks he doesn't talk, but I'm writing from a dog's perspective. So I guess that isn't too realistic. But I talked to other people who use guide dogs because I didn't want this book to become silly. And I said, you know, do you think your dog like knows whether somebody is nice or not? And could you ever see your dog fixing somebody up with somebody else? And every single solitary one of them said, oh, absolutely. I know when my dog likes someone or not. And I could see my dog, you know, taking me at the bus stop to somebody they wanted me to meet or stand next to or sit next to or something like that. So I thought, okay, well, if the people who work with these guy dogs say sure, then who am I to say no? Well, there really is a tight bond between the person and their guide dog. They're with each other all the time in critical situations. And so I'm sure there's a very strong bond between the two that way. How many people do you figure you've interviewed in order to research these books? Um, a hundred maybe. Wow. And all across the world, it's so crazy to me. I don't know if you know Lois Strachan and Oh yeah. So- Africa. Yeah. So she and I have struck up a friendship and uh, there's a woman in England um, who's got a podcast and we go back and forth. That's, that's part of the beauty of the internet um, is that you can have a reach far more than you could just in your own little community. The other thing that's really neat about your book is it gives people hope by demonstrating these successful ways of going through life. And sometimes just knowing what resources are available and how people might do things if they have a vision problem is a help. You need the existence proof that it can be done. You know, that's such a powerful statement. And I think so true. If you know that there's a way forward, it's much easier to start taking steps. Then if you feel like you're just going into the great unknown and you don't know what you're going to find, at least if you know, you know, you may have certainly some missteps and two steps forward and one step back a little bit along the way. That's true for most of us on whatever journey we're on. But if you know that the end is there, is sure, and you can get there, it's just so much more accessible. And that's partially how we target this show and our mission. We try to interview blind people who have very good professional 
careers that are rewarding and interesting. We try to talk about technologies that can be helpful to people with vision problems. And again, just knowing that the resources are there and that people have overcome these challenges can make it easier for the next person trying to do the same. Yeah. I'll tell you, since I've met people within the visually impaired community and the guide dog community, I haven't met anyone who hasn't been welcoming and encouraging and warm. And I'm sure that's not the true, you know, big communities, there have got to be some jerks out there. There always are. But I sure haven't met any. It's a nice group of people. You also mentioned that you are working on some potential movie deals for these books. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, it's been kind of exciting. I mean, I've been out there pitching this everywhere I can and have been turned down some by some pretty big outfits. Unfortunately, I've been turned down, but at least I got looked at. Probably can't talk about who's looking at it right now. But I've got two producers who I really like. We go back and forth all the time. What I thought was interesting was you talked about some of these producers having an influence on the book as it was being written. I always thought it was the other way around. They would take the book and say, well, can we modify the character a little bit for the movie production? Well, and I think it, that's usually how it happens. But since I had talked with these two producers for hours and hours on end about the book. I mean, they were really into the book and into my research and into my vision. And I said to them, so what do you think? Where do you think this from your viewpoint? And they told me they would like to see Connor a little less one-sided because I, in my mind, I thought he was such a jerk. And interestingly to me, when I heard the narration of it, when it was made into an audiobook by Podium Audio, the woman who narrated Connor's voice, I saw him differently. I saw him more like the producers were talking about it. So it made it a little easier to write it that way. So I decided, well, what the heck? I want to, I want this thing to be on the screen. So let's, let's write it the way they want to see it. And, and uh, fingers crossed, hopefully it will help. Well, good luck with that. That sounds like fun. Thank you. Well, I enjoyed the first book, but I enjoyed the second one more. And I think some of this multifaceted personality that you gave, not just to Connor, but also to Emily and Dhruv and Zoe, and there was a lot of growth between the first book and the second book. I can't tell you how thrilled I am to hear that because so many times people write one book and then after that, they kind of tail off. And I work very, very hard to try and make them better as they go. So that is just so thrilling to me to hear. And I'd like this to be, frankly, a TV series, and that's kind of the talk as well. I think there's plenty of material here to make this a recurring series. Well, we'll keep our eyes and ears open. Believe me, I'll shoot up a flare. <laughs> okay. Is there anything we missed? Guiding Emily has replaced The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn as the textbook in adult Braille education. Oh, cool. What in the heck? Because of its current message and its hopeful message. So that was fun. And the Missouri Department of Education contacted me to license a portion of Guiding Emily to use it in their standardized testing in the reading section. Wow. But I thought, well, how in the heck did that happen? It happened because somebody on the board that 
produces the test, read Guiding Emily and loved it and said, well, we need to get this in here. We need people to know this stuff. So I'll tell you what, as you think about your life and think about how am I going to get this out here? That's a perfect example of crazy ways that things can happen that could you ever have made a business plan and say, okay, now the Missouri Department of Education, of course not, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. That has to feel good. Good for you. Yeah. That's great. It ties into your raising awareness goal. Yes. Yeah, it does. It gave me some needed, you know, encouragement. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about Guiding Emily and its sequel, The Unexpected Path how to obtain either or both books, and how to contact their author, Barbara Hinsky. Well, Barbara, if people want to find some of these books, where would they find them? I'm on Amazon. The eBooks are exclusively on Amazon so that I can put them into Kindle Unlimited because I get a lot of sales. A lot of my readers are on Kindle Unlimited. So Amazon and then libraries can, I'm also on Ingram Spark and libraries order from Ingram Spark. So if anyone would like to request their library order it in, the libraries are generally very happy to do that. And you mentioned it was also available in an audio version. Yes. And that can be accessed through Audible and on Amazon. Yeah. Can you remind our listeners of the titles of the two books and what they would search for on Amazon or Audible to find them? Thank you. So the names of the books are Guiding Emily, and the second one is The Unexpected Path. And you can search under those names on Audible or Amazon or my name, which is Barbara Hinsky, H-I-N-S-K-E. And if people are looking for others of your writings, they can look at your website? Absolutely. www.barbarahinsky, B-A-R-B-A-R-A-H-I-N-S-K-E.com. And of course, they're all up on Amazon. And if people want to contact you with questions or comments, how would they do that? I can be reached through my website, but I think a plain old email is just dandy. And that's B Hinsky B as in Barbara, H-I-N-S as in Sam, K-E, at gmail.com. Do you have a social media presence? I have enough social media to kill me. So I'm on TikTok, but I'm also on Facebook, uh, B. Hinsky, uh, and on Instagram as Barbara Hinsky Author. Great. As usual, you can find all of that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. I also want to remind our listeners once again that Eyes on Success now has a new YouTube channel. So if you want to catch each weekly episode that way, we would encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's it for show number 2147. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about another podcast called Talk Description to Me. J.J. Hunt is an audio describer and storyteller, and Christine Malik is an inquisitive member of the blind and partially sighted community who's always wondering about something. 
Together, they host and produce the Talk Description to Me podcast, and we will talk with them about this innovative podcast geared to explaining things that they can't see to the visually impaired. There are so many podcasts out there that it's sometimes difficult to choose which ones you want to listen to or even find one that's interesting. But this one is really particularly geared to the visually impaired and is a little bit different with the descriptions that they give of all the news-related articles that they talk about. So we hope you'll join us all next week for that episode. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.